know, a famous comedian once said, and talk show host once said, you never follow kids because you'll never match, you'll never measure up. And I have the rather challenging task of following the kids. I don't have any costumes, I don't have any songs, but I do wish you all a Merry Christmas. So God, thank you for our kids. Thank you for the simple message that they bring. And I ask that that would just be so real. And God, I feel like you give me a couple things to share today. <clears throat> and I ask that you would take that and maybe mix it together with all the, the awesome, cute, wonderful, truthful stuff the kids did and be a little bit of an encouragement for everybody. Thanks, God. Amen. Well, you know, I always start with, here's, or pretty early on, I'll say, here's the thing I want you to remember. Well, here's the thing I want you to remember today. What came from the kids? Their tagline was, he will also be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. Because despite all our plans, God really shows up. So I hope you remember that. Take that with you this week through all the stuff you're going to do. He will be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. Because despite all our plans, God really does show up. I like Christmas Sunday because we sing Christmas carols. And it's the only time of the year we do that. And I think we should sing them a little more often. But <clears throat> so far, that hasn't happened either. The Christmas Carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, <clears throat> excuse me, tells Jesus' purpose in very clear terms that everybody can understand. The latter part of verse one says, yet in the dark street shine the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Because God really showed up, every fear that had and has Attacked people is overcome by Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Every hope for today and tomorrow is offered by Jesus, the hope of every person. <clears throat> the promise of God from the time of Adam and Eve was that there would be a hope, a redeemer, one who would rescue the human race. The promise of God, since the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, is that there is hope, a redeemer who really shows up. I hope that lands in our hearts today because we live in a world that really struggles to have hope. Some areas of life, even that had not been in the forefront of hopelessness are now commonly talked about and even agreed on as the inevitable truth. Even in places of affluence and opportunity like Canada, there is a degree of hopelessness that's unprecedented. Now you can go around the world to a lot of other places and it's a lot worse than here. But even in Canada, there's a lot of hopelessness. Certainly over the last two years of COVID have diminished the optimism of many people to the place where it's like, this is the new normal. Masks are the new normal. 
what are we in the 25th wave of the this this pandemic or something or the 312th or something it, it certainly feels like that just today we saw in the news that they're tightening um putting on more restrictions limiting people more the various restrict health restrictions travel restrictions relational connection restrictions have really raised the level of hopelessness. Pessimism over the future is higher than ever. What's gonna happen next? We can't get things through the docks. We can't, all the different stuff that news says. Just a little two cents that I've got for you, limit how much you watch the news. It's almost a guarantee to sap away any kind of hope and joy you have. Just a thought. That's not in the Bible, but you might want to consider that. For instance, home ownership, once that was almost considered a right, not so much anymore. Many people now have no expectation of owning a home. Here's one that's just startling, but true. In record numbers, younger people are expressing no desire to marry or have children, citing the global negative situation of everything from climate change to the lack of opportunity to the frustration or apathy over the inability to do anything to bring meaningful change to our planet. Hope. Webster's Dictionary defines hope as a feeling that what is wanted will happen. Desire accompanied by expectation. A biblical definition is similar. The definition I use for hope is the confident desire for an expectation of security, trust, and good. But what makes the difference between biblical hope and any other hope is the object of our hope. The difficulty with most definitions of hope is that the object of hope is feelings and outcomes. There's probably young ladies somewhere that say, I hope I get a wedding ring for Christmas. There's plenty of sports fans that say, I hope the Maple Leafs will win the Stanley Cup, at least before I go to heaven. That got maybe more reaction than it should have. I don't exactly know why. I hope there will be world peace this coming year. This kind of hope is dependent on our expectations and the choices of other people. With the world's definition, hoping and wishing are pretty much the same thing. Biblical hope is based on the character of God. God is always good, period. God will never leave me or forsake me, period. God will give, <clears throat> God's will for me is always good. God's love for me is always unending. Biblical hope never changes. So when I say I always have hope, 
It's just not wishing for good things to happen. Rather, it's a confident statement of relationship with God who clearly defines his power and his will and his desire for my good. My title for this teaching today is Christmas is Hope. And my reasoning is pretty simple. Without Christmas, without Jesus, there is no real hope. There's only wishing. But with Christmas, with Jesus restoring relationship to a perfectly loving God, there is hope, a hope of substance, meaning, and impact. Now, one of the things I really like about the Christmas story, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things I really like about the Christmas story is that it is an event that includes people and situations that are often not given a high value in the world system, like the income of people, their gender, their ethnicity, their education, or their age. And one part of the Christmas story includes a couple of senior people and having become a senior person, I like having there be seniors in the Christmas story. So go find Luke chapter two, and we're gonna read about a couple seniors, and then we're gonna talk a little bit more about hope. Luke chapter two, we're gonna start at verse 25. It's probably just me, but I wish we could sing Christmas carols for more than one Sunday. I love Christmas carols. Mary gets a little tired of me, but in the car, I've had Christmas music on for about the last month, and I'm not tired of it yet. How are we doing? Have we found Luke chapter two? It looks like some of us are doing okay. Luke chapter two, beginning at verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to him, For that was the, what, I'm so sorry. Let me try again. Moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus for, that, for what the custom was of, of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. The first of the two seniors was Simeon. Verse 25 says he was righteous and devout, and those are good things. But being righteous and devout does not by themselves give hope. What gave Simeon hope after all those years of what he was looking for? It was his relationship with God. God gave Simeon a promise. You're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Simeon had hope 
because of God's integrity to keep his word to Simeon. What God said to him and God's ability to do what he said is why Simeon had hope. Verse 29, Simeon said, Lord, as you have promised. Simeon said, in other words, God, you keep your word. My hope has been in your integrity, not by what I've seen. You kept your word. God, you really showed up. <coughs> Pardon me. The second of the seniors, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to try to get a drink here and see if that helps a bit. The second of the seniors was Anna. In verse 36, her, her part of the Christmas story is involved. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Anna had hope in God. Her hope was not her family lineage. Her hope was not in whether she was old or young. Her hope was not in her marital status or being identified as a widow. Anna's hope was in God and God's promise to her and the entire nation of Israel. Well, God showed up. And that hope gained her a place in being included in the Christmas story. Well, what about you? Does Christmas bring hope to you? Do you experience the optimism of a future that is defined by your relationship with the God of hope? I know I talk about hope maybe more than other people, but if we don't have hope, we're pretty much going to have a hard time with life. And maybe just the hope of Christmas Anna's hope, Simeon's hope, Mary and Joseph's hope, the shepherd's hope. Maybe that can be an inspiration to us in this season to renew our pursuit of the God of hope. How do we do that? There's a couple things that we probably know but we probably haven't done a whole lot to do that either. The first one is prioritize your relationship with God. Now, how do you develop a good relationship with another person? <laughs> Plain and simple, it requires time together. For a relationship to be significant, whether it's with God or another human being, it will require time. 
a prayer before you eat and a bless me, Lord, as you walk out the door isn't really going to develop your relationship with God. It's going to take time. Now, that's easy to say and difficult to do. Best example I can think of is, do you remember what it was like when you fell in love? All of a sudden, that person just looked different. You felt different about them. You wanted to spend time together. You made time to spend together. All of a sudden, your friends are going, what happened to you? Well, there's a relationship that became more important, and it got more time. And you made time to make it happen. Something to develop relationship with the God of hope is it's going to take time. Another thing you can do is read the Bible to understand God's character. There's nothing wrong with reading through the Bible in a year. But anybody who's ever done that knows you speed through in a hurry. There's not a lot of contemplative time if you're reading through the Bible in a year. Especially when you get to December 20th. Because you got about half the New Testament to catch up in a week. If you're like most people I know reading through the Bible. The Bible has a lot of declarations about God, who he is, what he values, what his commitment to you and me is. Find out what they are. Memorize them. Ask Holy Spirit to help you develop an understanding of why hoping in God is so much more powerful than hoping in circumstances. It's difficult to have a relationship with anyone you don't know anything about. One of the things that we really miss as a church community is just the greeting time before and after church, because that's when we get to find out how people are doing again. You know, just looking at all of you, I thinking, you know, like I just happened to look and, and Fakri, I haven't talked with her in so long. I don't know what's going on. We haven't got to share about the joy of being a grandparent and all that comes with that. I just, you know, I just love to sit with you again, have that coffee we have like before or after church and just talk a little bit because that's how a relationship gets developed. We share our experiences, our life, our understanding. It's really hard to have a relationship with somebody you don't know about. Can you name five things about God's character that you really like? Can you name 10 things about God's character? How might that change your relationship with God? How do you think God feels about you? What do you think is important to him? You might be surprised if you read a, the Bible a little bit more with an eye towards how does God think about me? Here's one most people don't think about. 
but it's necessary for a relationship. What do you think is important to God? What does God like to talk about? What kind of things do you think makes God feel loved? I know it makes me feel loved when God touches me and comes to me. What do you think God feels like? Because in any relationship, it's a two-way interaction. We want to connect with God as a lifestyle, as a day-to-day -day interaction. We need to understand his character, who he is. We need to know about him. Well, here's a couple of verses you might like to get you started. I like them. I've memorized them. But you go find the ones that work for you. These may not be it, but there are some. Romans 15, 13. I just love this verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of Holy Spirit. I love that one. When I start listening, you know, if I listen to too much news or, or something, if I see what's going on, hear what's going on, this is one of the verses I come to. God, you are the God of hope. Fill me with joy and peace because I trust you more than I trust how to navigate all the circumstances of the world. God, I want to be a person that overflows with hope. And I can only do that by power of Holy Spirit. I love that verse. That one works for me. Maybe it'll work for you, but there's a bunch of verses there. I'll give you one more. Jeremiah 29, 11. Most of you probably can paraphrase it at any rate. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. As we sit here today with all the stuff going on, more restrictions coming, chaos all over the world <clears throat> with all kinds of stuff going on. God, your plans for me are good. Let's talk about your plans. What's the next step I need to do in order to flourish <clears throat> in that really good plan you have for me? How do you want to give me hope for this Christmas week coming up? God, I'm not going to get to see my kids or grandkids. Maybe we'll get a Zoom. Mary and I can't really go out very much. God, how do you want to give me hope this week? What's my future like? Because you've got more for me than staying in my condo for the rest of my existence. You've got stuff in mind. Let's dream. Let's just talk about it a little bit more, God. Which brings me to my third point you're going to have to develop your relationship with God. It won't happen by accident any more than those of you that I have almost no relationship with. It just hasn't had time to develop. Some of you, I've got some degree of relationship. A few of you, I've got pretty good relationship with. But it takes intentionality and time to develop it. See, most Christians have a very limited relationship with God. And that's not a condemnation. It's just kind of the way it is. Most people's Christians' relationship with God is defined by asking God for stuff. 
Now, please hear me. It's, it's not bad. There's nothing wrong with asking God for things. Asking for things is included in Jesus' model prayer. It's often called the Lord's Prayer. But only asking for things places a very narrow limit on what our relationship looks like. Well, again, how do you develop a relationship with another person? You find out about them. You share things about yourself with them. You hear their stories and they hear your stories. You share your thoughts, your ideas, your interests, your emotions, maybe even your dreams with a few people. But it also requires listening. Developing a relationship is not a one-way street, and that includes with God. It requires a willingness to listen. Really listen. Listen to hear their heart, their interests, their passions, and their dreams. That's how relationship gets developed. Developing relationship with God is the same. The relationship God desired with you and me is the template for how we have relationship with other people. Have you ever considered <clears throat> intentionally developing relationship with God beyond asking him for stuff? And again, asking for stuff, that's okay. But there's more. Would you ever even consider trying to develop more of a relationship with God? It's going to take effort on our part to develop relationship with God. God's willing. Are we? But just for a minute, can you imagine what it would be like to hear God's dreams for you? I could change your day. It could make it a whole lot better. You might even have a little fun doing it. Really, God? You think that of me? That's in your heart for me? Hmm. What if we started to develop our relationship with God the way we develop, or at least try to develop, relationships with people? There is a longing in God's heart to connect with every single person in City River. He won't force himself on us, but he longs to have relationship. His relationship with every one of you, every one of us is so important. That's why we have the Christmas story. Jesus came to earth, was born, lived, died, and was resurrected because God is passionate about having relationship with you. 
And the God of hope desires that so much. It is so important to him that everything else pales in comparison to that. The God who can spin universes into, be, into creation out of nothing, no big deal for God. Relationship with you and me, that's what matters to him. I don't claim to have any brilliant insight into how God works, but he made it pretty clear in the Bible, there is nothing more valuable to him than his relationship with you. His plans for you are good, to bless you and not harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Lucy and Linus from the comic strip Peanuts gave me a kind of a lighthearted illustration of how valuable hope is. In one cartoon, Lucy and Linus were sitting in front of the television and Lucy said to Linus, go get me a glass of water. Linus looked really surprised, said, why should I do anything for you? You never do anything for me. Lucy responded, well, Linus, on your 75th birthday, I promise I'll bake you a cake. Linus got up, headed to the kitchen and said this, life is more pleasant when you have something to look forward to. What do you look forward to in your relationship with Jesus this coming year? How do you wanna connect with him? Is God going to be just somebody way far up there, far away? Or is he going to be somebody that gets in the car with you when you go to the store? It's going to be somebody who's there when you're trying to get along with people at work or trying to understand what your boss wants from you or how to talk <clears throat> and say things that build hope in your kids in a world that truly is having a lot of problems right now. What are you looking forward to over the next 11 days? We got 11 days till the new year. What are you looking forward to? What would you like to see happen or develop or change in your relationship with the God of hope? If you commit to it, just like our kids said, God will show up because he wants this way more than we do. He's committed to it. He's so committed to his relationship with you. That's why we have the Christmas story. Whether it's shepherds or old people or people who didn't fit in society, He's always got something of hope for you. I 
I feel like God just wants to take a minute and just rest on you. Whatever you need to do to just kind of get comfortable, take a minute and ask God, God, what does it look like? What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts for me? How do I want you want me to live in hope next year? We're not going to take long. I know this is difficult and all sitting here and we're probably thinking about a lot of other stuff, but maybe just for a minute or so. God, what are you looking forward to in your relationship with me? How do I have hope in my relationship with you next year? Think about it for just a minute or two. Just dream with God just a little bit. Father God, I want to thank you <clears throat> for Christmas. It's the best holiday for me. I'm so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. And God, I ask this Christmas, you would help each person here today to make the choice to move towards you. God, give us a desire, a hunger. Could I even risk saying, give us a passion for knowing you and knowing you more. Don't let us be satisfied with just the bare minimum of a relational connection with you. As we look at the world, help us to know and understand that the world simply cannot give us a hope like the one you give. God, this season is so special for so many, so many reasons. Help this Christmas, even in the middle of this pandemic, the chaos that's in the world, the hopelessness that so many people are confronted with. Help this Christmas to be filled with hope. Teach each person here in a way that's meaningful and applicable to them. 
that we can have a hope that goes beyond what we see in the world around us. Your hope. God, give us courage to make choices, to take time. Give us discipline. God, teach us what it's like to love you. What, is, what does that even mean and look like? How do we receive love? How do we give you love that's meaningful for you? God, I ask that you'd give us whatever it takes for each of us in the place we are in our walk with you, that you would give us whatever it takes to move forward in a relationship with you that overflows with hope. Father God, during this Christmas season, may each one of us echo the words of our children today. Jesus will also be known as Emmanuel, which means God's with us. Because despite whatever we plan and do, God really does show up. Thanks, God. I love you, Papa.